My Aunt Mel was one of the strongest women I ever knew. She stepped in to raise my brother, Keith, and I after we lost Mom. Not many other people would have done the same, especially during that time period. I was only seven when our mother, Rona, died. Keith was barely three. I've been walking this earth for forty years since that day, and Melody was the only parental figure I ever knew, honestly. The only memories I had of my mother were short and fleeting, always fuzzy around the edges. I remember that she had a beautiful smile, and her hair always smelled like green apples. My heart rarely goes out to Keith. He has no memories of her whatsoever. He only knows what she looks like through photographs. In his mind, Aunt Mel would always be Mom. Anyway, I'm getting off track. The reason I'm sharing this bit of information is that our aunt's not doing so good. Keith and I haven't talked for months, but we agreed to take a trip to see her. We wanted to spend her last days with her, so she wouldn't be alone. As alone as one could be in hospice, that is. The point is, we wanted her to be with family. We stayed in the part of our house that wasn't being used, hadn't been used in some time, actually. Our aunt stopped being able to live on her own some time ago. The house and land were paid for. Keith and I are her only living relatives, so we used the hide-a-key and let ourselves in. Abby, how's the electricity still in this place? Keith asked with a sideways smile. Aunt Em hasn't lived here in, what, three years? Maybe four? How long are you here for? Until she goes, I replied with a wince. It means a lot to me to spend her final days with family, especially after all she's done for us. Did you have any problems taking off work? That, my dear sister, would imply that I have a job to take off for. Which, of course, I don't. I'm here for as long as you are. We're in this together. Sorry, it's been so long, I just... You know. I've been... Been wrapped up in your own shit. I've finished for him. I know, I know. It's fine. You're here now. We unpacked, cleaned up a little, then got ready to leave to see Aunt Melody. The care center she's placed at isn't very far from her house, but we selfishly get lunch beforehand anyway. I feel so guilty for stalling that I can barely finish my food. Come on. Keith stands up. Let's go do this. Once we're in the car, all conversation goes silent. I can barely stand the tension, so I say what I know we're both thinking. Hey, it's been a while since I've seen her. I'm dreading seeing what she'll be like. Do you think it's bad? I asked, not looking away from the passenger window. Keith grimaced slightly and replies, uh, Well, it's not going to be good. I can tell you that. As much as I hate to say it, we need to be prepared for anything. Mentally, I mean. But nothing could possibly prepare us for the state we found her in. My aunt has always been one of the most beautiful women in our town. Keith's friends all used to go crazy over her through his teenage years. She had lush, gorgeous blonde hair. She exuded charm and grace while maintaining a don't-fuck-with-me attitude. And it was easy for her. After all that she lost, she still made it look easy to be the warmest-hearted person around. 
people fed off that were almost addicted to it. The woman we see before us now is a heartbreaking, empty shell of a person. Her skin is thin and veiny like a tissue paper road map. There are deep red bruises on her left arm and chest, skin injuries her body didn't have the strength to heal anymore, and not like it used to. Long, silver hair hangs limp, ragged over her bony shoulders. Her chest seemed to fight every breath it tried to take. Her chest seems to fight every breath it tries to take. Her wheezing quickens as she tries to get Keith and I's attention, tapping her fingernails on the bed railing until we meet her gaze. We're here, Aunt Em. I tell her with a warm smile as I sit at the foot of her hospital bed. Kids, I need to talk to you. Please come and listen. You need to know. Need to know what, Aunt Mel? What's the matter? You should rest right now. Keith tells her, as he stands at her right side. His large hand holds her frail one delicately, and I can tell there are tears in his eyes. No, I need to say this. Your mother, she never wanted me to tell you. Tell us what? Keith and I asked in unison. Whatever it is, I'm sure it's okay. We love you. She's so proud of you for raising us. A soothing voice that I don't quite recognize says through my lips. My cabinet. Go look in my cabinet there. I look around the room, and there's no cabinet. The only thing in here besides her medical equipment is a television stand with a small drawer attached for a remote. Figuring this is what she means, I open the drawer and see an audio CD. The words Abby and Keith are written across it in black marker. Take this back home and play it, but you must be together. Aunt Mel rasps. Her voice had always carried the hum of angels, but now was ravaged by the treatment given to kill the cancer, which had proved unsuccessful. She was in and out of consciousness for the rest of our visit. After a couple of hours of switching handholds, shifting at her bedside, we left for the night, promising the nurse would be back in the morning. There's an unspoken anxiety shared between us during the ride home. Alright, Abby. I know there's a stereo around here somewhere. Are you sure you want to just dive right into this? From what it sounds like, this could be about Mom. I don't know if I'm ready for all that. First, Aunt M's dying, now this... I snap. Sorry, this is all just a lot right now. Sure enough, Aunt Mel has a CD player in her bedroom. With how excited my brother is, I'm surprised he didn't ask us to play it in the car on the way home. I guess it's understandable. He was a lot younger when she died and doesn't know anything of Mom other than stories he's been told. I sit on the edge of her bed and light a cigarette. Abs, are you fucking serious? We just got done visiting a woman we love who is dying from cancer, and you're just gonna light the fuck up? What? She doesn't have lung cancer, Keith. Don't give me shit. I need this, okay? We turn the stereo on and place the CD in the slot. Static greets us almost immediately. Hey kids, your mother was my sister and I love her very much. 
There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about her. She always wanted to protect you. She didn't want you to grow up in fear. If you're hearing this now, it most likely means that I'm gone. Or at least, the part that made me, uh, well, me, are. Hopefully, if it's a life support situation, you went ahead and pulled that plug. Aunt Melody let out the most youthful laugh I'd heard from her in years before continuing. You know, I don't want to go out like that. Anyway, when you both were little, your mother was renting a small two-bedroom house. This was back when you all lived way across the country, near the Pacific coast. It wasn't anything special. It has a garage big enough for her to park her car in when she worked late. You two had to share a room. Your mother had her own room, and everyone shared a bathroom. Abby, you remember that place, don't you? There was the little fence that you'd always kick when you get mad. You'd do it every single time you got called in from playing outside. I kept telling her one day you were going to break your damn foot. That'd teach you, huh? Keith, baby, you were probably much too young to have any memories there. A lot of your baby pictures were taken there, but... Well, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Anyway, as I was saying, you didn't live there for very long. Maybe eight months to a year at most. Things were fine when you first moved in. Your father had just left you all. It was your mom's first time ever living on her own. Add being a single parent to the mix, and it was chaos on her. But I tell you what, she did the best she could. She loved you kids with all her heart. She loved you kids with all she had. Tears formed in my eyes despite myself. Why couldn't our aunts have ever told us this when we needed to hear it? Why wait until now? About two months into the lease, I started getting these phone calls from her. She'd call in the early hours of the morning in hysterics, thinking that your father was breaking into your house when she wasn't home. Things didn't end on good terms with your parents, as much as I hate to say. Rona was very afraid of him, almost paranoid. Then, a couple of months after that, things started getting moved around. Her keys wouldn't be where she left them. Your toys would disappear from your room and reappear in hers. I tried to tell her she was just distracted. She worked very hard to give you a good life without a father. It was easily understandable for her to misplace things absent-mindedly. But eventually, things started to go missing altogether. Abby, you poor thing. You used to get in so much trouble for stealing food and snacks out of the kitchen. Every time you were asked about it, you would cry inconsolably, swearing it wasn't you. She was wrong. I know she felt bad for that at the end. I remember finally agreeing to stay with you for a while to see things for myself. Your mom needed help, and honestly, I missed my sister. I would have taken any opportunity to spend more time in her life. We were catching up at the kitchen table, looking through old photo albums. The more that we looked through, the more we realized that most of the pictures of you both were missing. Especially yours, Keith. You gotta remember... This was back before everyone kept all their pictures on their phones. Pictures were printed out at photo labs, brought home, and saved. There were no backups. Once those pictures were gone, 
they were gone. We called the cops and made reports, but your father had alibis. He had an accountable life. Interacted with a lot of people at his steady job, not to mention lived three states over at this point. There wasn't really much they could do with no evidence and even less proof. Everything changed when Rona took an unexpected sick day from work. The schedule hadn't changed since they moved in. Rona always had weekends off and worked weekdays from 6am to 3pm, even holidays. Nobody was supposed to be there. Due to her being sick, she still took you kids to daycare. You both were dropped off like normal so she could go back home and rest. Sleep is off, kinda. Uh, Keith, you're like that too when you're sick. You turn into a big koala. You'd sleep 16 hours straight if I let you. Jesus, I keep getting off track. There's just so much I want to say. So much that I haven't been able to say until now. When your mother arrived home, she walked in on the person in the kitchen. He was eating fruit that they bought at the market the day before. A pomegranate. No one can say what happened for sure in that kitchen, but I can tell you what it looked like from what the officers had found. The track interrupts as she breaks into a fit of hacking coughs. She was attacked with the kitchen knife he was using to cut the fruit in half. Her body was mutilated so savagely that at first I was convinced it was your dad. Even after all his alibis and current location, who else could have done something that brutal to someone? Rona had no enemies. The truth of the matter was much worse than I imagined. Investigators caught the man a few miles away shortly after the crime. He confessed to everything. I guess thinking maybe it would lead to some kind of absolution. Well, it didn't. Not to me. I could kill him ten dozen times every day, and I'd still go to bed at night without a sister. The man they caught was a transient by the name of Terence Haynes. He'd been convicted of small crimes here and there throughout his life. Rona had stopped for gas one night real late on her way home after covering for someone who had called out. Haynes had climbed in the back of Rona's car and covered himself up with clothes to hide. You know how messy your mom always keeps her car, Abby. If you remember, that is. They made it all the way back home and she never knew he was back there. He waited until everyone went to sleep that night, crawled out of the car and entered the house. Your house had a crawl space just underneath the back room for storage and whatnot. Rona never went down there because she didn't have anything to store and didn't like small spaces. The most horrifying thing about it all was what investigators found in that crawl space. Haynes had pictures, dozens of them. They were all over the walls and ceiling, mainly of Keith. He had gotten himself a blanket and pillow out of the trash when she threw away your old ones. There were scattered food wrappers and empty water bottles everywhere also. After I fought your father and gained guardianship of you both, police officers told me that there was evidence to suggest he had been living under there for more than four months, right under Rona's nose. You all were living with a murderer the whole time, and didn't even know. He ended up getting 35 years to life due to a mental illness technicality. That stuff was all new back then. Unprecedented. Now I hope you can understand why I didn't tell you. 
Even at the ages you are now, all grown up, it's still something that I don't think you would ever feel better about knowing. It's been tough on me throughout the years to keep things from you. I love you both so very much. Please forgive me and know that we love you. And that I finally get to see my sister. The recording stops just as the phone rings. Aunt Melody had just passed away in her sleep. My efforts to suppress my tears now fails me. My heart aches for my mother. For us, and most of all for Aunt Mel. Our whole lives we thought she was keeping information from us to be selfish. I actually accused her of destroying pictures herself as an angsty teenager. My high school project required a photographic family tree and I didn't have any adult pictures of her for it. When I asked Aunt Mel about it and she couldn't help, I flipped out on her. I looked over to my brother. His face was as white as a sheet. Keith's massive hands trembled. He chewed on his lower lips, something he used to do as a child when he was scared. Abby, he turned to me, tears in his eyes. I'm freaked out. I, I need help. What are you talking about? I asked him. I'm just as freaked out as you are here. She was my mom too. Give me hugs. No, you don't understand. He yelled, eyes wild with fear. A guy just moved in next door to me. It was an older guy at maybe like 65 or 70. He introduced himself to me when he first moved in. He said his name was Terry Haynes. <laughs>